All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got a special guest, Matt Meg, on the phone with us today from Keto Connect. How y'all doing today? We're doing great. How are you? Incredible. I cannot complain. I cannot complain. So y'all just finished doing a workout out here, right? Yep. Yes, we did. Arms and abs. Yeah. Went pretty well. We're doing like morning workouts now, which is not my favorite, I don't think. But it just gives us like more time throughout our day to get more things done. Yeah, we uh, we lose productivity if we go in the afternoon because yeah. mm-hmm. we're so like amped for the workout and then we're tired. So if we get it out of the way and we do a killer workout, then you're just motivated for the rest of the day, I feel like. Well, this is a perfect segue into uh, talking about morning routines. So let's just jump right into that. What? Uh, how long have you been doing the morning workouts? Uh, Maybe like two months or so. Yeah. We were going at, at uh, 11 a.m., which I definitely feel like I get a better workout at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Just more like mid-afternoon is probably the best time to work out. But um, morning routines, do you have a morning routine? No, because we have a dog. That's what I was going to say. So... <laughs> Um, and he's a puppy. So one of us gets up and like immediately walks him, which I like. So it's like still dark outside. It's like six 30 and then you get a nice like walk before the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we kind of just get up, get our gym clothes on and head to the gym. I love having a solid morning routine, but ever since getting this, we got a puppy, uh, maybe what, like six months ago, five yeah. months ago. And you can't have routines when you have a puppy, which is kind yeah. of annoying, but He's starting to pay off. He's like really cute and he cuddles with us all the time now. <laughs> but Good. for for a long time, like when I was for, when we were starting Keto Connect and we were also working our day jobs, um, morning routine was like everything. I would wake up at 4.30 and like meditate for 20 minutes. I was very strict about all these things. I would get like two hours worth of Keto Connect work done before going into my actual job. Um, so yeah, I'd say having a good morning routine definitely pays off. I'm going to get back to one once Julius, our puppy is like a year old, maybe hopefully. Yeah. a little bit more trained. Yeah. yeah. So when, when y'all, uh, like when you were meditating, do you using like a, an app for meditation or are you just kind of, you were? Yeah. Yeah. I used the headspace app. I paid for that for a while. I would say now, um, there's a, a different app insight timer, I think it's called, which is just a free app where you can use a bunch of free guide. I really like the guided meditations mm-hmm. because I'm not really the type that can just like do it myself. I like to have someone kind of instructing me, giving me like some visualization, but yeah, headspace is also really good if you want to pay, but there's a bunch of free ones that are probably just as good. I use yeah. uh, calm. Have you ever used that one? Calm. Yeah, I have used that one before too. Yeah, I I use that. Uh, there's Julius. <laughs> I used the uh, I used Calm when I was in my contest prep, and then like I had like a 150 day streak or something, and then like yeah. I went to travel, and then I missed a day, and then it messed up my streak, and I just hadn't picked it up since. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes for me too. I had a really long streak, and if you stop doing it like once or twice, it's really just it's hard to keep going. I feel like. Yeah. But uh. Um, do you find a huge benefit to meditating? I do when I'm when I'm good about it. It's like anything else, you know. You have to be consistent with it, and I really enjoyed doing it when I did. But like, it seems I don't know. I think Tim Ferriss said when you feel like you don't have ten minutes, that's when you most need to meditate, you know. And I feel like I don't exactly. have ten yeah. minutes right now. And I, I probably would benefit from it, but uh, I have I've been slacking for sure. Yeah, if you don't have ten minutes minutes to meditate you need to meditate for an hour i think is the, yeah, i think yeah, russell yeah, exactly. always says that yeah yeah, yeah that, that's that's it exactly um so i need to get better at that but with y'all training in the mornings now 
compared to when you were training later in the day, do y'all feel like your your joints and everything are loosened up and ready to go, or do you have any kind of, you know, lingering stiffness from sleeping? I actually feel really, really ready to go. I've learned that I prefer to work out in the morning. Um, because I'm just so unmotivated in the morning when I wake up, I'm like still groggy, I'm still tired. So if I push myself to do something that really, really forces me to like push my boundaries and limits, then I just, I feel really good. I feel good about myself and I work harder. I feel like in the morning, in the morning. at the gym. So I don't have any issues with stiffness. I'm good. I have slight issues. I, I do definitely feel like I'm getting old. Like I know what people are talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'm 28, I'm 20, almost 29 now. So like, yeah, I wake up, I'm a little stiff and I, we just like, we work on the computer most of the day. Um, we've been doing a few things to help with like posture. We do like wall slides with your arms on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we do, we do like a pretty extensive warm up. I used to just get in the gym and like start throwing weights around, but now I do like a solid yeah. 15 minute warm up before we lift. Exactly. That's probably a pretty wise move for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So after after the gym, what is what does the rest of your day look like? Because you're you're this is pretty much what you're doing full time now, right? With Keto Connect. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty similar, right? We Most days. come home, we uh, do stuff with Julius. We make coffee we immediately. Make coffee, yeah, immediately. Yeah. Um, Before training or after training? After. At, right after training, yeah. I, I usually take a caffeine pill. I'm doing a lot of caffeine. Like I usually take a caffeine pill pre-workout. Today I just did, based on your recommendation, the Zip Fizz. Oh, we've been I've doing. been using that hardcore. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. You like it? Yeah. Yeah. Because y'all so, were having some muscle cramps prior to that, right? Weren't you having uh, like not some? Not really. Not really anything like that. No, but I, I, it's a nice little fire under my butt. Like you yeah. know, just knowing that I'm drinking it. Also, it has two total carbs, so I'm kind of just pushing myself harder, knowing that I'm getting those little carbs. You gotta burn yeah. them off. Yeah, intro workout. Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's the only thing I've found was such high potassium. So I'm a big fan of it for, for the electrolytes. Absolutely. Yep. So then we yeah we come home we make some coffee we tend to our pets for like a half hour, and. Someone's cutting the grass outside. Sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, then we kind of just like get down to doing whatever we're going to do that day. We like to try doing more of like block uh, work scheduling. Like one day we'll just be totally off the computer, just in the kitchen doing recipes all day. One day we'll both just be in our separate rooms on the computer. Editing. I'll be like editing videos. She'll be editing podcasts and like writing blog posts. But uh, when you start going like back and forth a lot, like kitchen, then I'm going to do some video editing, you really lose productivity. So I think just having like solid a day block of doing the same thing is really beneficial. Yeah, same with videos. Like we've already like Thursday, we're going to put Julius in babysitting all day and do videos. So it's like when we have that set up, it kind of makes us prepare a little bit more too. like today. I'm going to figure out what videos we're doing tomorrow. It it helps with productivity, as Matt said. Yeah, no, for sure. What are y'all? Matt? I kind of want to take this into a business talk, you know. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if any of the listeners would appreciate that, but we'll just go with it. So, um, <laughs> with y'all's, uh, we'll just kind of get a little techie here. What are y'all using for um, your editing software? We're, yeah, we do all Adobe all the time. We have the suite. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I'm getting. Yeah, for videos, I use Premiere Pro. I use a lot of Photoshop. I'm pretty decent at Photoshop. It stems from my fantasy football days where I was like editing funny photos of all my friends. So I had that already in my repertoire coming into starting Keto Connect. 
And then she uses Audition. Yeah, Audition. Um, and I was super intimidated, like watching Matt, because he does the video editing and the photos. And I was like, I could never do that. Like, it's so scary. And so going into Audition, I was really nervous. But then I was just like, let me just do it instead of like doing any research and figuring out how to use it. And it's pretty, I'm sure you, you could agree that it's easy, right? It's a very doable. Yeah, I think, I mean, I use I use the Creative Suite and I use Audition okay. and Premiere Pro as well. And Audition yeah. seems to be pretty intuitive. Premiere Pro was kind of a bit of a learning curve for me. And then I don't even, I don't do Photoshop. I use uh, Pixelmator for my thumbnails. Okay. Are you familiar with that one? No, I'm not. It was like a one-time $30, I think, fee just from the App Store, but it's a lot more user-friendly than Adobe, but I didn't have any of the Adobe uh, Photoshop experience. Um, yeah. I didn't Photoshop, have has, Photoshop has a steep learning curve. It takes a long, long time, but once you kind of get the hang of it, it's it's very beneficial to have like that ability, I would say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it has a learning curve for sure. Yeah, I'll always say like, oh, why don't I try doing some photos? Like, let me get in. And Matt's like, there's no point. You'll never learn. Like, I've done all well, the work. It doesn't make sense for you to try. Right. Like, it's like literally three years of work I've put into learning this thing. Like, you can't, it's, yeah. it doesn't make sense for you to do that. Yeah. You, you could get the Pixelmator and learn that in a day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I will do that. Um, with with the videos, do you use the uh, oh shoot, what's the uh, other like? Oh, uh, After Effects. Yeah, do you use After Effects? I've done a few things in After Effects. It's definitely a good thing to learn, but mm-hmm. for me, it's like it, it takes a lot of time. I usually go the route of just like doing a Photoshop and then. Uh, importing that into Premiere Pro, you can do a lot of the same things in Adobe After Effects and you can do more like motion text and like motion graphics. Mm-hmm. Like I've done a few uh, After Effects things. It's just, it's, it's, it's a learning curve. I have to stick to it and do it consistently for like a month of videos. And then I think I'll have that skill down, but I, I like pick it up for a little and then I stop doing it. I want to, I want to like add a bunch of those like glitch effects and everything to my training yeah. videos, you know? So like that's all After Effects. And yeah. is it? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't yeah, have a clue. Where, like, you know, the uh, on my videos, I've got that Keto Savage intro where it like, you know, spins around. That's all After Effects. Uh, Did you so do I that? Fig- yeah, I figured that one out. It took me a little while, but I figured that out. But I don't know how to really integrate it throughout the video. I need to learn on that. So, yeah, I always think of like editing our workout scenes like it's a rap video. I always look yeah. like how to edit a rap video because they have all those cool uh, uh-huh. like squiggly animations and stuff. There's so many like little nuances to editing a video that you just pick up as you go and we're totally going off a tangent now i don't know if any of these keto, <laughs> <laughs> but oh well but yeah i'd love to really kind of piece that together because people that really know what they're doing i mean they make it like a freaking motion picture you know cinematography yeah. off the off the chain it's like i, I want to know how to do that but there's so much time involved in learning that it's like i don't know where i'd start yeah, um, we've. I think we've really gotten a lot better at making our vlogs lately. If you see our vlog we posted yesterday and the one coming out today, the Las Vegas uh, videos, and something that I picked up, like a few tips along the way, is just like get a, a ton of B-roll, like more than you think you need, and then you'll have it and you can use it whenever. And, you know, like certain things you might be filming and it doesn't seem that interesting, but then when you go back and you get on your computer, it's like really a cool shot. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Another thing is, what was the other thing I was thinking about? Man, I forget now. <laughs> oh well, it's, it's, it'll it'll come to you. Um, do you keep all your footage, or oh, do you like delete it all? I, I just remembered. It's uh, shoot to edit. So like, have the edits you're gonna make in mind when you're shooting. 
Yeah, uh, that's good, what any filmmaker too. will tell you, and it's something that I've just kind of tried putting into practice lately. Yeah, and it's paid off. Um, but yeah, we keep all our footage, right? Yeah, we have a, a network-attached storage drive. It's like eight terabytes. It just takes a long time to transfer from computer to that. But yeah, we keep everything. It's probably a wise move. I'm, I've been just like buying a new SD card whenever it gets filled up because I don't want to have to yeah. like keep it on a, you know, on my computer or anything. But uh, I don't know. I don't know how people that like daily vlog keep everything organized it's it's a daunting task for sure yeah i've seen casey neistat he has like just towers and towers of storage yeah. like yeah hundreds and, of terabytes and what's crazy is he can like within five minutes probably pick any any one yeah. scene and just pull it up you know like i yeah i would not even know where to start on that um, he's really organized that's what i'm not he like yeah. labels everything really well and yeah. we need to start doing that yeah and the cool thing about keeping everything is it's like it's the new form of family home movies, home movies right yeah. like one day when we're 90 we'll look back and we'll be like oh remember like you know when we did this and said that and like all the fighting scenes we fight so much those are all <laughs> recorded yeah and we keep those so it's funny yeah see that's like when i'm making these videos i'm thinking wow my, my kids will be able to watch these someday yeah. you know 40 years from now and that's that's the motivation behind making them because i mean it's just it's just cool you know um, yeah so yeah i think i think that's commendable for sure so we go ahead. Go ahead. No. I was gonna say we already have like that. We've it's just since getting Julius, he's grown five months. We like yeah. look back and see what he used to look like, <laughs> and it's hard to believe that he was so little. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. See, I think video is gonna be you know much more beneficial to have than like an old photo album picture. You know, I, oh, because I, sure. I would I would look back at you know old pictures of me as a kid, and it's like it's really cool to be able to see that. But it's going to be so much more beneficial for my kids to be able to look at video footage of me, like actually talking and living day to day life, you know? Yeah. Or maybe they won't have any interest whatsoever. Who knows? <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. You have a great track record. I appreciate yeah. that. Appreciate that. So, to kind of uh, reel it back a little bit, <laughs> what uh, talk talk about kind of what you did prior to starting uh, Keto Connect, what the motivation was behind that, and just kind of give me like a quick little timeline of. What's got you to this point? Quick timeline is uh, we met in San Francisco. Yeah. I guess I'm going back a little further than, than expected. We met in San Francisco. I was a vegetarian. She was a carbitarian. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we started keto together. Yeah. We met at online dating, started keto together. I was working as a software engineer. She was going to law school. Mm-hmm. Um, then we moved to Philadelphia. We moved to her hometown, right. Philadelphia. She wanted to practice law in Pennsylvania, and my company had an office there, so I transferred within the company. Um, and when she was studying for the bar, and I, w I was like working from home two days a week, it was like a tech job where you could kind of do that. So I had some time where I was technically on the clock that I could contribute to Keto Connect. And just like we're, we're always cooking, we're creating recipes, and we felt like we were doing something that wasn't really out there. Mm. Like there was people doing keto vlogs. There was people doing food blogs. a food blog, like the old mom and pop type things. There was no like young kids doing food blogs, really. Right. right. So we thought it'd be cool to kind of like combine the two and do everything. And uh, that's what we did. A, pi a pivotal moment, though, was when Matt bought our first camera. It yep. was a $700 camera, so it was like, if we don't use this, then that's $700 wasted, and that's a lot of money. So that that like small step of just buying something really expensive motivated us to like, all right, let's let's try to take pictures, let's try to create foods. Yeah, got to get our money's worth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And I think we are just pretty good. We have good chemistry together on camera is one thing that maybe like set us apart and like helped us to um, grow, grow our channel really quickly and stuff. But uh, yeah, so then about eight months ago, I think now we quit our jobs. Yeah, she quit. She only had a job for a few months. Yeah, three months. I worked full time. And so I can't really complain because I've never known what it's like to work a nine to five. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, she doesn't know the full pain <laughs> of just like grinding away at a job you don't like. Yeah. I do. So I'm not going back. Yeah, yeah no, so that's awesome. When we would um, work full time, we'd come home and then work another full time job, which was Keto Connect. Like you literally cannot let any time pass by unless you're sleeping or eating or working out. If like if you want to pursue a side hustle, essentially. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I- that's what we did. And it, it paid off. Quicker than we, we expected. Yeah, it's been like going like wildfire, it seems. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been very fortunate. But I don't know. It, it's all about the work. And that's what people always ask. They're like, you know, how did, how did you grow so fast? Or um, what can we do? And it's like put in the work and just watch it pay off. It'll, it might take longer, but you have to put in the work. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, everyone's looking for like the, the video editing software you lose. It's like you use. It's like the secret to why you're, you're doing well. It's just the, how much work you put in. Be yeah. consistent. We posted three plus videos a day or a week every week for the last like, I don't know, 60 weeks. We have over 300 videos in the past year, basically. Um, just keep doing it. Keep going. And we have three blog posts every week for the past year also. Yeah. We kind of made it law, um, in our yeah. household, like no exceptions. Yeah. Rain or shine. Like if you're sick, if like a family member passed away, like we, you, you don't go a week without posting the videos and the blogs, no excuses. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that, I love it. that worked in our favor. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, I want to roll up my sleeves and really dive into this here. Cause I think, I think you and I have a lot in common with the our mentality towards just like hustle and grind and and y'all have got a lot more viewers than me so y'all are killing it on a whole nother level <laughs> but uh, i mean people people watch our stuff and like do y'all ever go back and watch your stuff or no yeah, yeah we do and it's it's hard to watch it's if you go back like more than three months it's just so bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a work in progress though that's good so yeah. like it's cool for me to see i mean do you watch many other people's stuff are you up yeah, I do. I, I'd say I'm very plugged into everything going on. Like yeah. I, I go to all the other food blogs. I watch most of the keto YouTube channels occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Have you all you seen gotta... uh, Keto Savages by chance? Yeah. No, I yeah. always comment on your videos. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I think I think you and I can both speak on how it really is simply the, the consistent effort of putting in the work day to day when you don't want to that's the main thing even when you don't want to because like what we're doing right now like what i'm doing what y'all are doing it's not it's not uh the simple act of doing it's not hard but the consistent act of doing it is where it becomes difficult and that's where most people slip up which is the same thing with like training regularly and staying on top of your nutrition regularly it's all about the consistent effort over time that compounds and, and creates something special you know yeah, there's a few like if you're really interested in getting into this type of stuff, there's a few books that have just like a huge impact on my life. Um, there's The Power of Habit. Just there's a a Mastery. One. Mastery is my all time favorite book by George Leonard. And it basically just all they all say the same thing. And at some point you just got to be like, these guys know what they're talking about. I just have to start doing this. And it's basically just like master your day to day. Don't think like thinking long term helps you be better in the short term because you know like all these things you're doing every day eventually they pay off 
and like uh just like the tipping point like everyone starts giving up right before you potentially are going to have a lot of success and the reason is like when you start doing something new you see such quick gains like when you start going to the gym you're gaining muscle like crazy like mega is right now yeah Uh, When you start learning like Photoshop, anything like this, you're making really quick gains. And then over time, the gains start to subside. You're not gaining as fast. And that's when people give up. But that's really like right before you start seeing the exponential growth. And that finally sunk into me before we started Keto Connect. And I was like, I'm not giving up on this no matter what. And we had like some really tough times at the start. Like there was huge fights. And it was like, it's hard to justify doing something for six hours a day on top of your job when you're not seeing any like profit, you're not seeing any uh, following being gained. It's hard to justify just continuing to punch the clock. But uh, (laughs) we kept doing it and it's now paying off. And I feel like that's a commonality among all people who are successful in life. It's doing doing something you don't want to do when you need to do it the most. Yeah, I mean, tell me, tell me about you putting yourself on YouTube. That's that's like a a thing that people like laugh at. It's kind of like putting yourself out there, like you're starting to do YouTube. How did that go for you? To, to be honest, like I didn't have a clue. You know, I'd, I'd watched a couple other YouTubers, and like it's it's crazy because you watch people that are really well known to start with, you know, and you're yeah. like, so you start comparing what you're putting out initially to what they're putting out. And it's like night and day. Like, uh, I was comparing my videos to, like, Christian Guzman's Alpha Elite. I don't know if yeah. you all seen his stuff. Yeah. But he, he's he got, like, a full-blown production team and, like, drone footage. And I'm just, like, <laughs> walking around with my cell phone at the time. And it was ridiculous. And uh, the first time I took a video, I was in my closet to try and, you know, you know, mask some of the background noise. And I was, like... I took like 15 takes of the first clip and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm never going to make it, you know? We did that too. Yeah. yeah. So now I just like, I'm, I'm going with the first clip, first run, not, not doing any, you know, reruns. Um, but yeah, I just basically said, and, and it's hard cause I was working, you know, other jobs at the time too. I was like starting to do a competition prep and I'd be spending hours, you know, editing videos cause I didn't have that efficiency down yet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this video is going to get three views. I'm going to spend four hours working on it. I've got to like get three hours of sleep to make all this happen. How in the world can I justify this? But the long game thinking is what Mm -hmm. made me, you know, stick through to the end. I mean, honestly, like Gary Vaynerchuk, like I would listen to his podcast. And if ever I started like complaining in my head or saying, oh, this isn't worth it. How can I justify this time? I would plug in one of his and he'd be talking about long game thinking. It's like, all right, lights out. Let's buckle down and make it work, you know? Mm So. Yeah, Gary was a huge influence on us too. We were when we were first starting this, we were watching him all the time. And one other, there's a few other things that just like randomly really sparked my motivation to just long term, just keep doing it. I would watch. Uh, there's all these videos of rappers' careers, like from 2011 to 2017, just showing their progress. And you go at the start of the video, they're horrendous. Like you, me, and you could like get on the mic and be as good as them. But they just kept <laughs> doing it, and now they're they're Drake. You know, now they're amazing artists. It's just like keep doing it. Yeah, no, for sure. So what what uh, do y'all do y'all like kind of plan? You know, big picture. What what is Keto Connect going to be in like five, ten years? Or do y'all just like hustle with the day to day, and then it is what it is? You know, I would say some of both, right? Um, it's right now like we're focusing in on like working on a cookbook, so we're kind of trying to stay as present as possible. But I mean, 
I, five years from now, that feels like a long time. Mm-hmm. A, a lot's going to happen. And things change day to day because, you know, there's new information out there we want to make a video on. Like every day there's something new that we think of in terms of creating content or art for our followers um, that makes it impossible, I feel like, to project five years out. I think it, yeah, it's tough to project, but... Um, when we were first starting, we had more goals and more like uh, forward thinking and planning. And now we're just like so deep in like just the the frenzy of like making a cookbook, also keeping up with our blog, our blog and our YouTube channel. We haven't had time to like sit down and plan out a lot of stuff. But I think once the cookbook, which is at the end of October, we're like submitting it completely. We'll have time to like sit down and plan some stuff out because I'm a huge believer in like actually having goals you write down and you state that these are your goals that makes you achieve them. So we need yeah. to definitely do that soon. Yeah. I like it. So, I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited too. I have no clue what's ahead for us. What the, can you, can you elude much on the cookbook or is that all kind of like top secret right now? Yeah, we can definitely allude to it. Um, yeah. It's going to be over a hundred recipes. It's mostly, so like a lot of cookbooks we've seen or come across have a lot of just like what is keto how to do keto like all the whole approach but we just want to make it like recipes Mm -hmm. that's like our you know like that's our mainstay our food blog so they're pretty much all new i think like 20 old ones from our food blog but we're excited they're gonna be a ton of great recipes right yeah i yeah i'm very excited about it um it's a lot of like yeah it's a lot of work first off but it's a lot of um recipes that are just more for people like kind of starting keto i would say that are looking for replacements for their their favorite foods Mm -hmm. and just like you know trying to get like one step better each day um that's kind of what the book is yeah um and spring of 2018 no actual date yet but we're excited to like hold some so yeah. A cook the cookbook um just a little bit of our thinking when going into it. It was never it's n- never been and it still isn't like a profit thing. Like we're not looking to make money. It all plays into like the long game. It's like we want to have something we can physically hold that has our names and our pictures and our recipes in it and I and it'll it's just building our brand out, right? I would say so. I mean, our time is not best spent making a cookbook. Our time is best yeah. spent like make, like building our website and YouTube right. channel. But yeah, it's like I think it gives you more just credibility and it's definitely like a lot of people ask us, I want to just buy your cookbook and have it on my counter so I can like flip through it. I don't have to scroll through your website. And we've gotten a few cookbooks in the mail just from other food bloggers sending to us. And it is nice to have something that you, you, you don't have to have an idea of what you want to make going in. You can kind of just like flip through and see what you want to make. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm, I'm excited for that. I don't, I don't normally do a lot of cookbooks. I just kind of like wing it. I eat a lot of the yeah. same stuff every day, but I would definitely like if I'm if I'm looking for a recipe to share with somebody, I my first stop is y'all's because I like the way your format is. Thank you. And I like the simplicity of it. Like I'm all about simplicity when it comes to cooking. You know, right. if you can throw three ingredients into a cup and stick it in the microwave for twenty minutes or <laughs> yeah. for two minutes, that's that's what I want to do, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you started putting some recipe videos on your channel, I noticed, right? Yeah, yeah. So Crystal and I every Wednesday we, we make a video, um, Keto Savage Kitchen. And I'm I'm trying to make it uh, totally keto friendly, but then I'm with a focus towards simplicity. So like, when I look at a recipe, I want to see like four ingredients. You know, I don't want to see like fifteen and then like half a tablespoon of this and three quarters of a cup of this. Like that that starts to mess with my head. I want to be able to memorize the recipe and then be able to make it right. in the future without having to look it up again. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where my recipe is catered towards. Plus, a lot of my audience are competitors. You know, and like when you're competing, the few things to think about the better. 
Um, yeah. See, that's always a mental dialogue I have with like, we, we cook a lot of replacement foods like dessert type foods that probably are not things you want to be having regularly on a sound keto diet. But it's also like, I think it helps people that are just coming into keto. But like the foods we're eating every day are also like really basic. I think it'd probably be similar to like the type of things you're eating most days. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's always like something I'm thinking, like, I don't think we give the wrong message because we constantly reiterate, like, don't eat these things every day. Yeah. yeah. I, I do see a lot of people kind of going for like, you know, chocolate chip cookies every morning with coffee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it beats the actual chocolate chip cookies, yeah, right? It's a step in the right sure. direction. Right. And, and, and as like the longer you're on the diet, the more you kind of like go towards the right way, you know, but initially exactly. you kind of want to like have it all and try everything. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine. I think, um. And, and y'all bring in, like, I don't even know how you think of some of the stuff, like those rolls that you made um, that were mostly psyllium husk and uh, yeah. what else was in there? Psyllium husk, um, I think coconut, coconut, flour. Flour, yeah, coconut flour. Those those were amazing. And those are the only Thank thing, you. that's the only recipe I've found that, that really gets that, that roll bread texture like, like they do. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah we're, the, the thing is with keto cooking, there's probably like, you know, six to eight different like flowery type things. You just we've just kind of like combined them all in different ratios and have come up with things at this point. Yeah, there's not that many iterations of different things you can do, really. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it all works. It all works. Um, <laughs> today. Today's Wednesday, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. So, yeah, Crystal and I are going to make a recipe today. Probably going to do the keto pizza. That's like my all time favorite. Probably if I could pick one, it'd probably be the fathead keto pizza. Yeah, um, yeah, that is good. So, did you ever try our chicken crust pizza? No, I have not. But you use oh, you, you use chicken you, crust. You use chicken in the crust, right? Yeah, yeah. canned chicken. You can use crust. like normal chicken breast or ground chicken, but we the can makes it easy and convenient. And yeah. like you said, people want simple, convenient. So the canned really does that. Well, I've seen I've seen people use like um, you know, break, uh, pork rinds for the crust and place the almond flour. I think yeah. ours is like just a. Uh, one egg, a little bit of cream cheese, a little bit of regular cheese, and then almond flour. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've seen I've seen other iterations of that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try something. I've been putting just pork, uh, like cooked pre cooked pork, barbecue pork on the crust or on on Ooh. the as a topping, and that is just so easy. And it's already all cooked, you know, so it yeah. makes it even easier. Um, so yeah, we'll probably figure out something something along those lines for tonight. Um, but with with the cooking for y'all. <clears throat> do you like how's your uh how's your setup like do you have um because initially uh, my first cooking videos i would do like the aerial photo photography and then i like, just shoot down and like really high speed you know have a cooking video out in two minutes and now with crystal and i we're doing like 10 minute long cooking videos and trying to like just add more personality into it what what's mm-hmm. been been good for y'all I think we started with talking and then overhead like music shots of the actual cooking. But uh, I think we've gone more towards like traditional Food Network style recipe videos. And I think people like that the best. Yeah. And, you know, like during the course of making a video, like it probably takes a lot of them take like maybe 40 minutes and we condense it down to like an eight minute video. There's like a lot of funny stuff that happens in like outtakes usually. So we like throw some of those in to make it fun. But uh, I think, yeah. Uh, just like for us, just like a standard cooking recipe, we like to keep them under 10 minutes, usually more towards like six minutes. Yeah. We cut through a lot of like the redundant, just like folding dough together and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I'd say 
That, that's what we've landed on so far. We've tried a bunch of different things. Yeah. I think in the future, we're going to try doing some more like maybe like the one minute style videos for Instagram and stuff mm-hmm. that are, you see all the time. They're just like really quick how to make a recipe. Yeah. Right. And the best part about YouTube videos is you get instant feedback. So like when we were doing the music um, layover over putting all the ingredients together, people were like, this is a waste of time. I don't want to see you do that. This is like boring. Just talk over it. We want to hear you talk. So that's how we kind of learned like we should pull away from that method. So, you know, I'm sure you know, you get feedback on your YouTube channel and it's great, right? It's, yeah. It changes things. It allows you to morph to what your fans or viewers want to see. I would say that's actually a huge advantage we have over people that just have a food blog because we actually can interact with people directly. We get like feedback on things, whereas they're just like a faceless entity making (laughs) recipes. Like there's no accountability of if the recipe is good or not. You can do you can put whatever you want. That's why you see all these people like with their uh, this is what it looked like on Pinterest. This is what it looked like when I made it. They're hilarious like uh, photos they make. Yeah, there's no accountability unless you have some kind of like uh, customer facing like we're kind of a personality now and we're like held accountable for if the recipe is terrible. Yeah, we try it on camera. We do different things to ensure that like our viewers are like, okay. That's worth my time. That's worth making. And it also makes it look like it's easy to make, which yeah. it usually is. Like you see a person actually making it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of what Crystal and I have been trying to do is with ours as well. It's just, you know, like every step, have it on the camera. And then like all the bloopers, I just leave those in there. Like mm-hmm. I, I go out of my way to make Crystal look like a goof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, we'll try it on camera and everything. It's, it's all like I didn't stage the photo or anything. I just pretty much took it out of the oven or whatever and took a quick clip of it. Right. We we staged the photos. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I probably probably, I put it in a a good lighting, you know, and try and get the make it look all pretty and everything. But it's crazy how much like I could put, you know, a whole bunch of time into editing a workout footage and then upload that, put like a cool thumbnail on it, and then I'll put like half that time into a cooking video, and the cooking video will get three times as many views. It's it's all about the food, it seems. People want food. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the stomach's doing the talking. Exactly. So what uh, after the after the book? Um, actually, about the book. Are you going to have like a physical book and an ebook, or how's that going to be offered? Uh, I don't know about I, the ebook. Yeah, we're not sure about ebook, but da- just physical. I think as of this point. Yeah, we have like a we're working with a company, a publishing company, so it should be in some stores. We're thinking, and definitely on Amazon. Very cool. Very cool. What, yeah. How did you all find your publisher? I'm, I use like CreateSpace through Amazon on mine. We thought about that. We contemplated. The publisher actually reached out to us, which was cool. Yeah, we got reached out to by a few publishers. And the thing is, like, if you do CreateSpace, the profit margin is a lot higher. higher. But this is like our first cookbook, and like doing a cookbook is very intimidating. Daunting. And like, I don't know what I'm really doing. So we thought. Uh, working with a company is just going to get a better end product, at mm-hmm. least for once. We just have like a one book contract. So then once we kind of know what we're doing, maybe we go our own way. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just think as far as getting the best possible product out there, this is the best you way to go. You want people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's awesome. It's a lot of learning process for sure. I'll, I'll be getting your book and cooking your recipes. Oh, we'll <laughs> send it you. to you. Yeah, we'll definitely send it to you. Nice, nice. Um, so, so what's, uh, what's next in the, in the timeline for Keto Connect after the cookbook? Oh, the holidays, man. The holidays are right around the corner yeah. and they come so quickly and people are very demanding in a good way. Like I want you to demand certain recipes so I can recreate them for you. Um, but yeah, every like Christmas, Thanksgiving, even Halloween, we're, we have a lot, um, in the works for that. 
What I'm excited about once the cookbook is done is just getting back to having a lot of time to put into YouTube videos and really good recipes because now it's kind of like we're checking some boxes because we have our, our thing that we set up. We do three videos. Uh, two, now we're down to two recipe posts per week and no exceptions. So we have to do that, but it's kind of like a checkbox because we're working so hard on the cookbook. Right. But I really want time. Like I want to be good at making vlogs, making videos. I want to just up our video game for sure. Yeah. And you need time to do that. So hopefully, I guess like start of next year, we'll definitely have a lot of time to put into just the things that we really care the most about. Yeah. You're going to do kind of like a lifestyle vlog, kind of incorporate some more day-to-day, you know, -day, like the training and everything? Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm hesitant to really do a lot of training because I'm not an expert or anything. Right. I'm not even an expert on keto, but I share what I – we share our, our keto lives. But uh, as far as working out, I, I we show footage of us working out, but I don't like really giving much advice on that. Yeah, there's no like coaching or any of that type in our future. Like people have asked, but – we don't feel like it would be fair yeah. because we can't – like you could coach someone like clearly, but <laughs> it wouldn't be fair for us to provide a service that we don't know we could fully give. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, what, what, uh, we'll, get, we'll get a timeline for some point in the near future and I'll, I'll literally come to Georgia and we'll work out. We'll document the whole thing. Yes, we'll cook. definitely. I'll bring Crystal. We'll do like couples Please. cooking. We'll do like oh, couples double training. Oh, double sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because y'all are in, right there in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, my grandfather's right there, so that works out perfect. I can see him. I can spend time with y'all. That will be awesome. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Um, so now, I guess, let's, th let's talk about, uh, I don't know, what are you talking about now? With, with y'all's <laughs> training, um, you, you had, uh, you, you tried that, um, I saw your supplement review on the, um, what was it, the, the Esther? Yeah, yeah. Ketone Esther. What did y'all think of that? Um, it was like a different creature of its own, like yeah. very different from the BHB salts, um, felt euphoric. It was like a, a drug sort of experience Definitely to me. in the realm of drugs, yeah. I would say. Uh, uh, but yeah, so for me, I would say like after taking the BHB salts, very skeptical of ketone supplementation as a concept. Mm -hmm. But after taking the ketone ester, I'm definitely thinking like this has a lot of potential for performance enhancing. Not weight uh, loss. Not really. Yeah, not weight loss. But like these things have potential. Now I'm like excited to see the future. Before I was like, this is kind of scammy, kind of like unnecessary. But now I'm kind of excited to see what, what happens with the ketone esters in the future. Yeah, and then what about you? You also got to try it, right? Yeah, yeah it's definitely a different sensation than anything you get with the salts. Um, yeah. The uh, like the the main difference I noticed was I didn't I didn't have like a I don't know, like a it wasn't like a pre workout kind of feeling. It's not like you had that the jitteries or anything, but I noticed like just a, a warming sensation in my stomach. Uh, yeah. Did you, Did you notice that? that? No, I was more jittery, if I'm being honest. I, I wouldn't say – it was not like a pre-workout jitters, but yeah, it's definitely – the closest thing I could compare it to is like an Adderall-like feeling, like hyper high energy and like very focused. Like if you set your mind – like you start reading something, you just zoned in on reading something. Right. Just want to like clean for five hours or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see – that's one of the cool things about keto being so hot right now. There's so many different, you know, companies coming into the marketplace and bringing new products and new services. So it's exciting to see where that will take it, uh, you know, in the coming months and, and years as it gets more yeah. and more hot. But Yeah. Um, I wanted to change the topic. Uh, we've been doing like more of a carnivore diet lately. And yeah. I'm like super interested in talking about this now because I know you do something kind of like that a lot of the time, right? Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, why do you do it? And, like, what do you notice be the benefits and drawbacks of it? 
So are y'all tracking your macros right now? I am. I'm not really. I'm trying to do more of an intuitive type of cut. Yeah. We're, we're, on, we're doing a cut right now. Yeah. All right. So what are your macros, Mega? Um, I'm eating around like 1,300 calories, um, maybe like a like – 80 to 90 protein and then a little higher fat and my carbs are like six or seven are you total. pretty hungry yeah yesterday yesterday i was pretty hungry okay. did you drop to 1300 right off the bat or did you kind of like gradually taper then um i feel like i've always been around like 1500 so i dropped to 1300 right off the bat it's pretty low it's pretty low is it? Because I feel like, so like when I use the macro calculators and, you know, I don't, I'm not a big proponent of using them and sticking to them, but like some say like, oh, if I'm cutting, eat 900 calories, a thousand calories. And that feels really low. So yeah. she's five, five, about 120 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely would not break that 1000 calorie mark by okay. any means. There's no reason why right. you should be less than 1000 calories. Um, right. and, and you don't know what, what yours are probably meant. Uh, yeah, I can estimate. I'm probably eating around like 23, 2400 calories. Um, I'd say maybe like 150 grams of protein, maybe 160, 170 grams of fat, and then like five carbs. So in my opinion, with my experience and my client's experience, like if you're cutting, the variable you want to manipulate most is your protein. I would leave your fat high and taper your protein especially with you know being in ketosis, that, that fat mm. is your fuel source, so you want to leave that relatively high. And okay. then when you're cutting, the primary focus is no longer to build muscle. You're trying to get cut. So ketones are incredibly muscle-sparing, so you can taper your protein and not worry about your body huh. you know, feeding off your, your muscle, your stored muscle for energy. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would decrease protein, but that's a little bit more hard to do with a carnivore-style diet because by default you're going to be eating more protein. Right. Um, so, like, what is what is y'all's diet consistent of, like, steaks and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. Steaks. Uh, we've been doing, like, raw milk cheese, um, grass-fed butter. We have some bulletproof coffee. We are doing a little bit of a variation on it. Like, we throw in some macadamia nuts, and uh, she has vegetables occasionally. I have a cup of broccoli, like, every couple days just because I feel more comfortable some days when I'm eating some veggies. Um, we've only been doing this for, we did the five day experiment and then we were kind of like, this isn't for us. But then we started thinking again and we we're like, maybe this is for us. I kind of liked how I felt when I was doing the carnivore diet. So now we've been doing it for maybe about a week, but yeah, it's usually like two meals. Uh, one being like eggs, bacon, a bulletproof coffee and, and then, cheese. and maybe a little cheese. And then the second one being mainly just like a fatty cut of meat. Mm -hmm. And that's like pretty much it. Maybe like a handful of macadamia nuts. Well, with, um, like when you did the five days initially, did you feel poorly after that or why, why only five days? I felt good, but it was just the social aspect and just like I don't really like eating like this it's more of like a mental hurdle I would say but now I'm kind of thinking that I do like it oh another thing we're adding in is like some liver we made we're trying to add in some organ meats which we heard is pretty crucial to doing like a solid carnivore diet yeah you're getting a lot of micronutrients from those organ meats so that's a good thing yeah. to throw in for sure and we only did five days because it was a experiment for our vlog. So, yeah. <laughs> so we did a five day vlog experiment, and um, I had like a lot of digestive issues just doing the I, carnivore diet. I think that's to be expected, though. Your like microbiome is kind of adjusting to the new, yeah, yeah. the it lack takes, of fiber. It takes about a month or two for your gut microbiome to kind of readjust. So okay. five days alone wouldn't really be a good indicator. Um, okay. I mean, after about a month's time, your gut should, uh, you know, convert over 
to a lower carb to intake and more carnivore and shouldn't have the digestive issues. Um, but with carnivore, I don't know. I, I, that's like a really hot topic right now in the keto community. Yeah. And like there was like I went to KetoCon and I spoke there and there was a lot of controversy within that niche, you know, whether carnivore was good or not, because science, like from a scientific standpoint, both sides brought a lot of really good arguments as to why humans were designed to be carnivores or not carnivores. One of the most interesting topics, I think, was they they would show the digestive tract of a human being, and then they would compare that to the digestive tract of, you know, the apes, which are largely herbivores um, or omnivores, and then they would compare that to, you know, like a, a cat or a feline of some type that's strictly carnivore. And humans, similar to the predators, the, the cats, we have a very sh- small cecum and a very small colon, um, so we're not really designed to... The, the theory is that we're not really designed to have that longer digestion period for that it would take to break down like the plant cell walls and everything that you find in the vegetables. So pretty interesting argument from a scientific standpoint there. I don't know where the, the needle's gonna fall though, to be honest with you. I just we just need more science, but it's it's pretty it's pretty compelling the side that indicates that we're meant to be carnivores, you know. It really is. And I feel like even with more science, the science is always going to kind of come down on both sides, it seems like. Because there's always yeah. like the the vegan pushing for like certain types of science. Even science is like very inconclusive on a lot of things, I feel like. But the thing I'm really kind of like researching now I'm pretty interested in is fiber. Fiber is like a lot of people think fiber is just like the healthiest thing on earth. Like, you know, get your fiber in, take your fiber one granola bars. But uh, just based on my experience, I would say there's a lot of validity validity to fiber being like kind of nutrient blocking, like the, it blocks the absorption of nutrients. Um, just like anecdotal evidence of me feeling really good on a carnivore diet, just feeling like very high energy, even like 11 p.m. at night, I'm pretty, it's, I have like trouble falling asleep sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I think that that just based on my experience, it seems to be true. It seems to be like, lo- you don't need to be getting in all this fiber. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Like, I don't know. I think for me personally, what I've been doing is kind of I'll, I'll alternate, I'll rotate it. So, like, I'll do, you know, two months of pretty much very, very, very minimal carbohydrate and fiber intake, and then I'll throw in, you know, a couple weeks or a month, a little bit more elevated fiber intake. That way, I'm kind of hedging my bets, so to speak. But mm-hmm. the, uh, I mean, I feel totally fine with, with very minimal carbohydrate intake. So, I don't, I don't think it's a requirement by any means. Because, I mean, I always base, you know, whether or not it works off of how I feel, look, and perform. And if I feel great with, you know, no greens, then I probably am not just deficient in anything, you know, crazily. And then there's so many, like, you know, green supplements. So sometimes I'll take, like, a micronutrient supplement just to kind of hedge yeah. my bets there as well. But, yeah, if you feel great, then I, I don't think you have to worry about anything. I'm interested in adding in a little bit of maybe, like, some avocado or something at some point and seeing after being carnivore for maybe a month – and kind of seeing the impact, because that's when you can really notice, when you start adding something back in that you've just always had in. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, another thing I've been reading a lot about is just like the nutrient uh, content of like vegetables. Like on paper, they have a ton of nutrients, but as far as your body actually like accessing those nutrients, maybe not as much as like liver or organ meats or even like good sources of, of meat fat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, they spoke to that quite a bit at KetoCon as well. They, they pulled up a chart and the, the underlying theme was how many vegetables would you have to eat to get the equivalent micronutrients in like, you know, organ meat or something. And it was something like 
unrealistically insane, like a hundred pounds of vegetables per day or something crazy like that. So yeah, I mean, for as far as most bang for your buck, you're going to get a lot more micronutrients from something like a liver than you would from, you know, a whole bunch of vegetables. Um, but a lot, the problem with a lot of that is people will cook out those micronutrients from the meat to like, you know, discard the meat drippings or something. And you're losing a lot of those micronutrients when you do that. Right. So. so what about for you? So you suggested like tapering the protein, keeping your fat high. So do you incorporate a lot of just like grass fed butters and fatty meats or do you add cheese and things like that? I don't have an intolerance to, to cheese. Um, okay. I've not noticed an intolerance. A lot of people do. So uh-huh. um, that could be a contributing factor. Like if you wanted to do a cut and you were kind of stalling, you might you might play around with removing the dairy. Generally speaking, butter is much lower in lactate, so a lot of people can keep butter in and just remove, you know, the cheese and the heavy cream and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, if you're cutting, I recommend just mostly keeping fat pretty constant. You can taper that a little bit, but I would recommend slowly tapering your protein, you know, 5, 10 grams a week at most. And mm-hmm. then um, as far as what to consume to hit those macros, it's going to become a little bit harder if you're sticking with a strict carnivore. But if you're, you know, eating what you are, then, I mean, you could – you know, have more olive oil, more monounsaturated fats, more coconut oil, more butter, um, and just, you know, always opt for the fattier cuts of meat over, you know, like a sirloin or something, get a ribeye. Um, right. Yeah, I would, I would just taper, because you said your fat was at what? Um, probably like 100. 100? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you could probably even increase that slightly and then decrease yeah. protein. Uh, I mean, just to give you a visual, like my last month of prep, the lowest I got was I was 140 grams of fat and 65 grams of protein. Wow! So that kind of gives you an idea. And and I'm I was I guess about 156 pounds. Um, I got down to three and a half percent body fat. So just to kind of give you an idea of ratio wise, you could leave your fat pretty high and taper your protein without really any ill effect. I'm immediately going to just be looking at pictures of you online, by the way, after this, <laughs> just to see what three and a half body fat percentage yeah. looks like. Jeez. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely when you're, when you're three, when you're sub, you know, 10% body fat, you really start getting in tune with your body. When you get below, you know, five, 6% body fat, you start noticing things that you just simply cannot notice when you're at a higher body fat. Like you are so in tune with things. It is, it is surreal. I mean, I could literally <clears throat> eat half of an avocado, and I could tell you to the T exactly what my body would do, when it would do it, and how it would respond, you know, exactly. So That's it's, incredible. it is really cool to be that in tune with your body, but I don't think yeah. you can get that way unless you're that lean and depleted. Right. As far as, like, getting down to that, what uh, were you doing, like, as far as cardio? Do you have, like, any tips on that? So cardio, I kept cardio, like, my prep was four and a half months long. I didn't really introduce cardio until I think about two months out. Like I didn't really have to because I was responding really well to keto. This was the first time I had done a ketogenic prep. Um, But as far as cardio, I used the Stairmaster, and that's all I used. I did 20-minute sessions on the Stairmaster. I would generally do uh, level 15 for that entire 20 minutes, and then I would just crank that out, and I would do that, you know, two to three. Towards the end, I started to do it four times a week, but that's about it. Mostly it was the training. When you're you're doing a cut, um, you know, Unlike contrary belief, you don't want to do like high reps, uh, lower weight. You want to maintain that heavy weight as long as you can because that's what's signaling your body that you need to keep that muscle to push that weight. If you start dropping the weight, it's going to send a signal to your body that you don't have to have that much muscle, and then you'll mm-hmm. start losing muscle. Um, so you want to keep that as high as possible, and which gets harder as you go. I mean, I started to lose a little bit of strength there towards the end, but like I said, ketones are really muscle sparing, so you can keep most of that throughout. 
So what's the next contest you're signed up for? Do you have anything on the horizon that you're preparing for? Honestly, I uh, like as a natural competitor, I try and take a couple years off in between shows so that I can build. Because like I said, my, my prep's so long, you know, four and a half, five, six months long. If if I'm at a deficit for half the year, I don't really have that much time to put on quality muscle. So mm-hmm. I'll do a show every couple of years so that I can look better each time I step on stage. So I did two shows this year, 2017. My next show might not be into, until 2020. But when I compete in 2020, I want to just freaking blow the roof off. You know, I want to you know take that hands down, no questions asked. Yeah. So this will be the last before the 2017 contest. It was just like more of a cut with keto or were you doing like the whole bulking and everything with keto? No, I, I, I bulked with keto. Like I, it was okay. my first year of keto was pretty instinctive. I wasn't even tracking anything. And then I started tracking things. And then I did this, uh, this cut was the four and a half month cut was all keto. I mean, I've been keto for about three years now, I guess. Um, but yeah, I monitored all my macros and, and tracked that. And then now I'm in a bulk uh, I'm, I'm in a growth season and I'm tracking everything cause I'm doing several different experiments. Um, right now, Danny Vega and I are doing a three month, uh, hypertrophy experiment. So the first month, basically we, we have our baseline and my baseline is about 2,500 calories and we're increasing that by 500 calories. So I'm at about 3000 calories right now. The first month, so October, those 500 calories are coming all from excess protein the next month is going to be all from fat, and the third mm. month is going to be a split between the two. And the whole goal is to figure out which of those macronutrient ratios lends itself to the greatest muscle growth and the, the least amount of fat gain. So basically, I'm trying to figure out what's the best protocol for building muscle on keto. And so far, with the higher protein, like right now, my protein grams are higher than my fat grams, which never mm. happens for me. And I don't honestly like it. Like, I feel I'm, I've gained, you know, a lot, a lot of weight already in October here. So I'm up about like six, seven pounds already, and uh, I'm, I feel more bloated. I feel more tired. I feel strong. Like I think I definitely think I'm putting on muscle, but I think I'm putting on body fat just as just as much, you know. So we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, we had the same exper- experience actually. Not as regimented of an experiment, but we did higher protein than fat for a solid like month, maybe. Yeah. And I would say exactly the same thoughts on it. Like we felt like we were stronger, felt like we were putting on more muscle than we were just strict keto, but definitely just didn't feel as good. I was and, like bloated and felt like heavy all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm unwilling to sacrifice uh, like well-being or just like mental energy for gains in the gym. Yeah. At this point. Now, and we also did you uh, track track your glucose or ketones or anything during that time? I, did we? No. I don't, I don't think we did. No. No, we didn't. I'm tracking. Yeah, I'm tracking my, my glucose, my blood ketones, and I just got the level device in, so I'm tracking my breath ketones as well. And and thus far, I've noticed that with the higher protein, my blood glucose is elevated, and my ketones have dropped, and my mm-hmm. weight has gone up. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I did a, a in-body test at the beginning of the month, and I'm going to do one subsequent test at the end of each month, so I'm going to kind of be able to you know track, see what direction I've trended. But I definitely feel like I'm putting on body fat more so with the higher protein. What is that, an an N-body test? Yeah, it's a bioelectrical impedance test. So basically it measures, um, it's kind of like just a fancy way of determining body fat based off of, you know, electrical impedance and pulses through your body to kind of see what that ratio is. But uh, there's no no, uh, bod pod or DEXA scan around me that I've been able to find. So N-body is the next best thing. 
Yeah, we are doing our three-month Bod Pod update at the end of this month, so I'm excited to see. I think Mega has really gained a lot of muscle, so I'm very interested to see that. Yeah, I was very high fat. (laughs) (laughs) I was 33% body fat, which was surprising to me. Um, So, yeah, I'm excited to at least see like a drop in body fat percentage. You will, for sure. (laughs) Because you're the same weight and you've been going hard in the gym. Yeah, Yeah. no, for sure. You will will definitely see a drop. It's, It's cool to just see what direction you're trending, you know? Yeah. So, what uh, do you do? You done a bunch of experiments in that that three month time, or are you kind of just staying have, consistent yeah. with it? Yeah. So you, you won't really be able to pinpoint to see which one was the best. Or not, no, right? not not really. Uh, we did the carb up month in that experiment. That was kind of like we've done like a uh, maybe like a two month bulking type of phase, and now we're doing more of a cut because I got up to like two oh two. I think I started at one ninety. Um, and I think like I look best at like 185, 190. I want to get back down to that so I can kind of like see my progress and see some definition. But um, yeah, so we weren't really necessarily trying to track one specific thing. We just had the general goal of like gain uh, muscle mass, lose body fat. Yeah. So the goal right now is to lose body fat. How how long is that cut gonna last? I don't know. I'm hoping like two months. Yeah. Um. But right now we started October like first or so, so it's been only eleven days. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not been days. very long. Has the scale I'm, moved much yet? Yeah, the scale moves super quick for me when yeah. I get strict and like, especially doing the zero carb. I dropped like maybe five pounds. Some of it's obviously water already. Because mm-hmm. we were on vacation, so you know, obviously we oh, yeah. were drinking a lot, eating a lot. Yeah, we came off like a three-day drink drinking fest. We drank Binge like fest. yeah. <laughs> Do y'all, what do y'all do with uh, drinking on keto? Do y'all just like have a, a go-to or do you, do you just kind of like wing it or, or what's your strategy there? We don't drink that often, um, but when we do, if we're on vacation or something, it'll be uh, Diet Coke and vodka. Yep. Um, and then if we're like out to dinner and we want to drink, it'll be like a Cabernet or a Pinot Grigio. Yeah. Wine with dinner. If we're just trying to really get after it, probably just liquor. Yeah. Have y'all tried the... Uh, that uh shoot what's it called dry farm wines no, no we've heard a lot about it though yeah Have they you? yeah they had they had a booth set up at ketocon um so i tried that and i haven't had i don't drink at all really um but when i do it's always been wine but i've always been like really limited on my wine because there's a lot of sugar in it but right. but what they're doing is pretty cool because they'll uh they'll independently batch test every every bottle of wine i believe and they'll ensure that the uh, the alcohol is a little bit lower there's no uh sugar because and I'm not a connoisseur of wine, so I may be totally off base here. But my understanding and kind of what they were telling me is that a lot of people, they'll they'll take out the, the grapes too soon from the fermentation process. So there'll be some sugar, residual sugar. But they're basically ensuring that the full fermentation takes place and that there's no additional sugar. It's just from the alcohol. So the I think Dom D'Agostino had like, I don't know, two or three glasses and was still registering pretty high on his ketones. So. That's good to know. Yeah, I know a lot of the cheap wines, they like add grape juice and stuff like yeah. right, before, right before they bottle it. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> no. You don't want that. But yeah, the, the vodka and the, the Coke would be good. Have you tried the, um, uh, the Zevia drinks? Yeah, yeah, we love those. We love Zevia. Those are our go-to for sodas. sodas. Yeah, it's, uh, and they've got the, the energy drink now that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah we, we tried, tried that when it first came out. Um, 
But, you know, we don't really do energy drinks that much anymore. We drink a lot of coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, coffee is, coffee is the way to go. Except yeah. Matt said he's a caffeine fiend right now. So I <laughs> always am. I, I've made so many promises with myself over the years to, like, give up coffee for two months. But it's never happened. <laughs> I don't Honestly, think it's I don't think coffee is a bad thing, man. As long as you're as long as you're hydrated and you're flushing out your system, then I mean, as long as you're not just as long as you're not just drinking coffee and no water, that's that's where it gets bad. But if you're having enough water to counteract the caffeine and the coffee, then you're fine. I agree, but um, I don't think it's good to have something in your life that you can't go a month without. And then just yeah. from that the, from that context, I'd like to be able to give it up for a month, but I can't. So like, it's really an addiction, which I, obviously a lot of people have. And as far as addictions go, it's not that bad of one. But do you I'd go like out not... and drink coffee? Like, do you go out for coffee, or do you just make it all? I always make it at home. I do like a drip coffee. I'm pretty serious about my coffee, <laughs> but but uh, we'll we'll go out for coffee occasionally. I'm I'm a coffee fiend. What what are y'all? Uh, what's your what's your coffee connoisseuring? Uh, like what, what do you, what's your go to technique? Uh, I have the just the really cheap drip setup where you you grind the coffee, you pour it into a the pour over. a pour over mm-hmm. a pour over with the drip. And I actually found a really good coffee I love off of Amazon is Don Pablo Colombian coffee. It's like eighteen dollars for two pounds, which is really pretty cheap, and yeah. it's like one of my favorite coffees. Yeah, I don't like it. It tastes like cardboard to me. <laughs> uh, I do a lot of cold brew. Um, That's good, too. Yeah. yeah. So I just like it concentrated. And then I can just, you know, it's really quick, too. I I, don't, I hate the whole process of, yeah. like, a pour-over coffee. And then what, do, what, you, about what you? do you put in your coffee? What do you make? What do you put in to make it keto coffee? What do you put? Today I did a tablespoon of heavy whipping cream and a tablespoon of butter and then some cinnamon. Yeah, I change things up. Yeah. I sometimes I don't do bulletproof coffee. Sometimes I'll just do a little cream. But uh, lately, I've been doing traditional bulletproof coffee. Maybe like two tablespoons butter, one tablespoon MC2 oil. Sometimes I'll put. Oh, this is what I want to talk to you about. Sometimes <laughs> I'll put collagen peptides in it. What are your thoughts on like collagen peptides and bone broth and things like that? I'm kind of thinking it's it's like pretty fraudulent. I, I do like bone broth. I use that. There's a lot of micronutrients in bone broth. Basically, all the meat drippings that you cook out that I was talking about earlier, you're going to get a lot of that back in a quality bone broth. Keyword being yeah. quality there because they're not all tre- uh, created equal. Um, I honestly can't really speak on the collagen peptides. I don't use them myself. My my girlfriend Crystal uses them because she's had some joint issues. But uh, I don't know. I haven't really determined one way or another with, with the collagen. But I am a fan of the bone broth. You does know, she have? Does she notice benefits from it? Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. A lot of it may be placebo, you know, because she she basically puts them into fat bombs, so she'll make fat bombs with it, and mm. she might just like it because it tastes good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I mean with something like that, with any kind of joint thing, it's going to take a little while to to really because she's only recently started doing it, so it's going to take a little while to determine one way or the other. But uh, okay. I personally haven't really used it that much, so I can't speak from experience. So do you guys work out together? Yeah, yeah, we work out. I mean, she's my training partner. Like, it's uh, we're we're a team for sure, which is pretty cool. You know, y'all y'all get the same thing going. Yeah, yeah, it is. I it, I feel like it'd be very tough to be in a relationship with someone who's not doing keto first of all, but then also like doesn't work out. You can't. I don't know. It doesn't work well. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people that reach out to us struggle with that. Like their partner doesn't want to work out or start the keto diet, and it's like. Ah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, somebody actually reached out to me yesterday on Instagram and DM me asking about that same thing. And I mean, it's all it's all based on the individual. But for me personally, like I'm, 
I think long term, like we were talking about earlier, and if I was with somebody that didn't share similar, you know, nutritional beliefs or, you know, health beliefs and training beliefs, like that's only going to compound over time. And like right. if I keep getting healthier and they keep getting unhealthier and I want the best for them and they're not willing to do that, then it's like I, I can't see that working out, you know. Right. But. Yeah, I think the problem maybe comes in from like we when we met, we both were similar minded. And, you know, some people get into like fitness later in life and they're trying to strive for better things. And maybe, you know, or initially they met their partner, not really having that goal in mind. Mm-hmm. So that can definitely be tougher. But, yeah, um, choose your partner wisely. Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah. And it's crazy because like Crystal, when I met her, uh, she wasn't really doing any of this stuff. Um, I don't know. And then we like stopped talking for three months and uh, then this, this could be a really long story here. <laughs> but uh, then, then she started like then I like basically left her for three months and was not not a very good person. And then I came back to her. And uh, during that time in my absence, she not thinking she'd ever see me again. She had the self-motivation to start training and working out. And that kind of like is where she took her life. So she improved it there. And then we had that whole nother you know, dimension to, to connect on when we, you know, reconnected. So it's only gotten better since. And she goes hard in the gym. Like she, she's no joke. I mean, she's wanting to, she's actually training for a competition that she's going to do her first show in April next year. Oh. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to prep her for that. And it's, it's exciting stuff. I'm I'm really, really stoked to see what happens. What kind of show is it? Like what uh, division? She's going to do figure and then she's going to do, um, it's a NANBF. So a natural competition, She's going to do the open, the novice, and then there's also a beginner class, apparently, at this show. And she's, so she's going to do all three of those. Um, but, yeah, figure is what she's going to be competing in. Awesome. That's really oh, cool. Oh, one thing you we got to do when you come to visit is uh, you got to, like, teach me how to do some posing. Yeah, yeah. No, that, for my that, next skit video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you got to wear the trunks. Are you going to wear the trunks, too? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Well, I, I'm dead serious about this. Like, we we can get this on the calendar sooner rather than later because I'll I'll drive to Georgia, uh, yeah. and and make that happen in a heartbeat. You know, let's do so, it for sure. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll f- figure out a date after this call is over, um, okay. and we'll make it happen. That's that's one cool thing. Like, Crystal and I were talking the other day. Like, since I mean, I, I'm pretty much working from my computer now, so I can go. And what's going to add the most value, I think, to my brand is just to network with other movers and shakers in the keto community like yourself, you know. So any opportunity I have to go spend time with y'all, you know, collaborate with y'all and get that content online and just build those relationships, you know, it's that's worth more than anything right now. Yeah, it really is great. Everyone also is down to just collaborate and interact. You can basically get in contact with almost anyone and really just learn from like the best people there are now that you have like some kind of platform like this like yeah. we can talk to doctors and stuff it's crazy yeah yeah especially with podcasts like when you ask somebody to be on a podcast like they're not gonna say no for exactly. whatever reason right. like podcasts the barrier to entry is like very minimal yeah um, yeah that's so what we're learning yeah, yeah. And, and y'all have just recently started your podcast right oh yeah yeah, yeah. very cool yeah it's uh it's it's, it's cool because i mean you can get on their show, they can get on your show. It's just a mutually right. beneficial program because most people, because podcasts are kind of like hot right now. Like everybody wants to have a podcast. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, mutually beneficial for both parties for sure. Definitely a good business move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, uh, what else was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you something else. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> so many things going on in my head right now, I can't even keep track of it all. Yeah. Um, so so what what's next as far as the uh, – uh, 
the experimentation goes, the N equals one experiments after the cut. Yeah. Um, I've wanted to do something like this for a very long time. You've done it, the 4,000 calorie thing. I want to do something like that. Uh, some kind of high calorie challenge of some kind, I think would be cool. Yeah. And then we're going to be doing, um, more sweetener testing. Cause a lot of people ask us about like allulose, sucralose and I'm curious about allulose really. Yeah. We just yeah. ordered some. Yeah. What, so what, is, we're, we're, what is your take on that so far? It's hard to say, right? Hard to say. Because there's not a lot out there and we don't really eat it as much. It's in a, a lot of products, but like we don't eat it for the purpose of testing. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to start doing more of that so we can give people uh, at least somewhat of an idea or baseline of what it could do to your blood. I've read a lot of people doing testing with it saying it doesn't seem to have a huge impact, but I'd like to test it for myself. I just like to test everything yeah. uh, now, actually. And um, another thing I really want to do at some point, now that I, th I feel like we're getting pretty proficient in filmmaking, is to do some kind of like feature short documentary of some kind. Like, I don't know. It's getting very artsy over here. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you've ever seen that documentary Fathead, have you seen that one? Um, I don't think. What, what's, the, what's the premise of it? It's a guy doing the supersize me Morgan Spurlock experiment, but he does it without carbs basically and proves that it's not just McDonald's. It's actually carbs that are I've heard of it, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. So I feel like I, it's not a high production level film. It's just, you know, pretty informational, pretty compelling. I feel like we can maybe do something like that. I want to put my efforts towards like a real good project. Yeah. That would be awesome. I've seen a like on Netflix. I don't really ever watch much Netflix, but I watch a documentary, like food documentary, sometime on there, and they don't really seem like they're that high in production. So I mean, I don't no. think I don't know if you just have to make it and then submit it to Netflix or how that process works. But <laughs> but I think yeah. a lot of them that are out there currently are definitely kind of skewed to make the science look like one way or the other. It's pretty biased. Um, yeah, you can, make, biased. you can make the science look whatever way you want it to. Like that What yeah. the Health film. That was, they, that's they, the one I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. They take the stat, which is like processed meats have a 1% increase in uh, heart disease risk, and they just extrapolate it to say you actually – it's a 20% increase because 1% uh, of additional of 5 is actually like a 20% increase. So it's just so misleading when you do stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I'd like to do something like that. It'd be really yeah. cool. Yeah, and I try think. and stay as neutral as possible, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the cool thing about doing these self experimentations and being neutral. Like I've never really, uh, promoted, you know, a really higher protein month, but I'm doing it now. I'm sticking to my macros and I'm, you know, testing the numbers from a very unbiased perspective. So like the numbers will speak from themselves. So it's, it's easy to be neutral, so to speak. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think, I think doing a documentary like that would be awesome for y'all. And then I think you doing like an extra, you know, 4,000 calories plus uh, would be very cool too because I did mine after Jason Woodrock did his. And then um, we had slightly different results, but that seems to be a really interesting topic for people to watch because, I mean, I, I guarantee you if, if that 4,000 calories had come from, from carbohydrates, I would not have had the same results. Exactly. You know? so what it, was your result again? So basically, my, mine was unique. Um, the motivation behind doing mine was because I started it the day after my contest. So most competitors, after a contest, they'll go out and they'll binge and they'll put on 20 pounds and overnight, basically, and they'll have like eating disorders. I mean, I did that in my first couple of competitions. I'd binge and have eating disorders, and you put on so much body fat because your body's like a sponge. So I kind of wanted to you know, put my body to the same, uh, same situation except from a ketogenic perspective, 
and I basically more than doubled my calories. I was at 1,650 calories, and I bumped it up to over 4,000, and I wanted to see if I would have the similar effect. I didn't. I did the experiment for 21 days straight. I actually continued to do it for an additional like two, two and a half months, and at the end of that all, my, my blood work had improved. I put on, I think, I don't know, six or seven, eight pounds of total weight, but only a couple percentage points in body fat, so very, very minimal adverse effects. You put on eight pounds? Uh, yeah, I think so, seven or eight pounds. That's that's really not bad at all from being 3.5% body fat, exactly. and I'm assuming starting you're already like 15 pounds lower than your walking around weight, right? Exactly. That, that's why it was so yeah. significant because I was 156 pounds, I think, on competition day, and I only you know gained you know, seven or eight pounds during that experiment. So for me to go to that much of a surplus for that long of a time mm-hmm. and only put on eight pounds, whereas other competitors would eat and binge and put on 20 pounds in two days, for me to like be able to have a much more healthy uh, post-show experience, I mean, that, that right there, I think, is reason enough to compete from a ketogenic, uh, with, with a ketogenic protocol. So I wouldn't say your results were all that much different from Jason's then because he started at a pretty low weight, but it it wasn't like a super low, like uh, dehydrated type of weight that you were at. So gaining eight pounds is really nothing at all. So I I think it'd be cool to do it uh, a two, an equals two experiment because my body and her body a lot different. Like I'm more not as as like peak athletic as you and Jason, but I'm like in the same realm. I'm like an, an athlete. And I'm a couch sitter. She's a couch sitter. <laughs> so it would be cool for her to do maybe like a 3,000 calorie. 3,000, I would put on weight, right? Like you or like 2,500. You could tell me. That 33% body fat, I'm envision like imagining that I just am more easily or susceptible to putting on fat. Right. Well, you really have very stable like blood glucose That's true. and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, no matter what diet you're on, at some point the calories are going to catch up with you, depending on what the ratios are and what your body's capable of, yeah. and what your threshold is. But I mean, there's no diet where you can just eat copious amounts of food and expect <laughs> to have no 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 impact. You know, I think there's much more of a lag time with keto. So, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, 500 calorie surplus on keto is going to have a much uh, you know less of a result. Uh, you know slower than if you were to have that same intake from Mm. carbohydrates so if you were to bump yours up to 3000 for instance i mean you might not notice that much in the first week but after you know two three four weeks you'll probably start to notice an increase in in body fat um so yeah but that'd be good to try though because there's not that many uh women not not that many females that are documenting everything that's why when when crystal my girlfriend does her competition i'm going to document every single metric yeah because i want to have all that data you know yeah, and I'm just so average. So it's like, you know, I'm not a competitor. I'm not someone I'm more like relatable because I am. I keep reiterating 33% body fat. People were surprised and I was like, yeah, I'm just a normal, you know, person yeah. who used to just eat a lot of carbs and I I'm starting to work out now. So I think that'll be beneficial. Yeah. Um as far as the 4000 calories you were eating, did you have trouble getting that in? Because that's kind of like one of the benefits of keto. If you're doing it real strict, it's tough to get that much uh food in i don't have that problem <laughs> i mean <laughs> i don't really either I, I watched jason's videos and there was like clips where he was having trouble eating you know the amounts of food i mean i literally can eat and eat and eat and I, i'll know like if i'm actually hungry or if i'm just eating but i mean at no point during that four thousand calories that i have trouble eating the four thousand calories there was one day in fact where i'm like man 
I'm binging right now. I, I literally, I didn't want to go so far over the 4,000, so I ate an entire Costco bag of salad mix with like an entire bo- bottle of Walden Farm syrup. I just binged on lettuce, basically. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there's there's never been a point where I'm like, wow, I, I'm full. I can't eat this. You know, I can eat anything. <laughs> so so um, for the 4,000 calories, I'm assuming that had to be close to like 300 grams of fat or something for you daily, right? Yeah, I was actually, I think I probably have my... Uh, Hold on, look at my phone. I think I still have my macros. Because um, I've been thinking thinking about this and trying to just kind of conceptualize what a day of eating looks like for the 4,000 calorie challenge. And it's hard for me to kind of figure that out. All right, I've so never eaten 300 grams of fat in a day, I don't think. My, my macros for that entire 21-day challenge were set at 150 grams of protein, 50 grams of total carbs, and 355 grams of fat. Wow. But... That last day, I kind of went out with a bang, and I had like 450 grams of fat, um, <laughs> just just because it was the last day. But yeah, I mean, fat. I think what I've noticed uh, with myself and others is that you can you can your body can handle a higher protein amount if you have a correspondingly higher fat amount. It's all about the ratios with keto, mm, in my opinion. Okay. So like, if you if you have you know more protein, but you jump that fat ratio up quite a bit too, you shouldn't have near the negative impact. Because that fat is what's going to slow the digestion of the other yeah. macronutrients. So, I mean, for you, how, how tall are you again? Six four almost. And what do you weigh? Two hundred right now. Two hundred. Yeah, I mean, you could probably even to to have like a similar impact as what I did. I mean, you could probably go as high as you know forty five hundred calories. Um, yeah. So yeah, dude, just go 400 grams of fat, man. Just go with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that that is kind of what I want to do. I. I'm interested. I was interested. You did 150 grams of protein. I was thinking it'd be cool to do something like more like a traditional keto diet, even like 90 percent. Like, yeah, something like that. That would be interesting because when you're eating a, such a surplus, you're meeting your protein goals pretty easily, even mm-hmm. when you're doing like 90 percent fat and then almost zero carb. So yeah, yeah that would be cool to see because you're saying 50 total carbs, 150 grams of protein. I would me eating like that. I would expect to to gain a little weight because you're definitely having like some kind of a glucose response just with with those numbers. Yeah, I agree. I, I, in hindsight, I wouldn't have had my my carbs that high. I mean, I've been going at about 20 grams of total carbs a day now for the past several months. And I think 20 grams. Sometimes I'll go up to 30, but that'll if I go up to 30, it'll be because I've basically had like a note meal, which is like just the insoluble fiber from chia seeds or something, or some miracle mm-hmm. rice. Do you ever eat miracle rice, by the way? Yeah. yeah, we have. We really like it. Have you, have yeah. you tried that, that dessert miracle rice recipe that I'm always talking about? No. no. What's in that? Is it like a rice pudding? Yeah, basically. So you like grits? Never had them. We're not Southern. What about uh, cream of wheat? <laughs> yes, I love cream of wheat. All right, so if you if you take – you could even do this with the miracle noodles, but if you just take that and put it in the blender, it has the exact same consistency Whoa. as cream of wheat. and. You could just leave it as the rice or you can make it, you know, the consistency of cream of wheat. But if you get like, I'll get that, I'll boil it, strain it, and it'll have the rice. Then I'll put like some almond butter, some regular butter. You could put like sugar-free, you know, oh, whipped cream in there. Good. You could put uh, the Walden Farms caramel syrup in there. That's what that's my weak, weak spot right there. And, <laughs> uh, you can eat, I mean, I'll eat, I get the big bulk two-pound bags at a time. And I'll eat the entire <laughs> two pounds of Miracle Rice in a sitting. And, yeah, uh, I mean, you literally can. It's a root uh, fiber. Actually, yeah. I think I did see that video. You did a, a test afterwards, right? And it was pretty negligible. The yeah, yeah, like the, yeah. And I had like several other ingredients in there. So it was a very minimal uh, glycemic response from it. But the cool thing about Miracle Rice is like I would not have been able to do this prep 
without it. I mean, that was my lifesaver. That and kelp noodles. I, I would do that to kind of, you know, satisfy the hunger cravings. But, yeah, I would eat that. And, uh, you know, two pounds of that has, like, hardly any ill effect. And I, I did a ton of research on it because I'm like, this has got to be too good to be true. But yeah, it's really as good as it is. You know, I mean, there's, yeah, like, no no negative side effects. It's just a konjac root fiber. Um, yep. So, yeah, and it's basically, like, 97% water by weight. So, I mean, you're basically just getting hydrated as you eat it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when you did your cut, um, so we're cutting right now, and I can't grapple with the fact that it's just about macros. I'm like, I have to just eat like whole foods in order to actually get cut and look lean and yeah. look sexy, right? So is it, you know, can I, can you do like miracle noodles? Like you've done all that, but you're also, it's, it's hard to compare our bodies, but like, do you have to eat clean and whole foods when you're cutting? I mean, you don't have to eat clean. I mean, you can, you can do kind of a dirty cut which a lot of flexible dieting athletes do that. You know, they're all, their big argument is, you know, I'm going to eat gummy bears and get lean. And they do, they do get lean because a lot of it is just about the macros and the, and the amounts of that food. But, I mean, with keto, I mean, my take on it is I'm trying to be healthy for the long term. I'm trying to be healthy in the day-to-day. I don't want to eat junk food and look good. I want to eat good food and look good. So I would recommend eating, you know, quality, you know, organic foods. But uh, as far as, like, tapering if you taper those amounts then you'll still get cut you know okay yeah i think that's something we're missing out on every bodybuilder says tapering like you taper the protein you taper carbs you taper different things we're all about instead like of just jumping in jumping in yeah <laughs> yeah but, uh, what do you mean just jumping in like i guess when we started this we just kind of plugged in a, a certain deficit like uh 15 percent 10 percent yeah like we that. just we just drop our macros immediately day one instead of like tapering down but what makes a lot of sense what you mentioned which i never really even thought of in a key, keto context is tapering the protein yeah. a little bit that that sounds like a great idea it's similar to tapering carbs would be on a normal diet i would imagine well, yeah, they taper carbs and they taper fat, fat. But yeah, that that's like the bread and butter of my my cutting strategy from keto. I mean, you leave your you, you taper your fat a little bit. Like I tapered my fat throughout the whole process. But my most manipulated variable is protein for sure, because like I said, you, your focus switches from building muscle to maintaining muscle, and ketones are muscle sparing. So you don't have to have a surplus of protein to get lean. Um, and and that's I mean, a lot of competitors that are eating carbs, they'll have like three hundred grams of protein. And then basically their their carbs and their fat will be low. And then what's happening there is, you know, gluconeogenesis. That's why they walk around like zombies because they're just inefficiently converting that into carbs. Um, so, yeah, I think if y'all were to just do everything you're doing now and then taper your protein by 5 to 10 grams a week, you'll notice that that'll be the, the one thing that you can change that's going to make the biggest difference for you. And uh, the theory behind like tapering instead of just jumping into something is your body's just adapting more to... Yeah, yeah, basically. So, like... Earlier last month, I just, on a whim, cut my calories by 500. And about two weeks after I did that, I started noticing, you know, much less strength. And I'm like, wow, what is going on? And it just occurred to me, obviously, you know, it's because of the 500-calorie immediate cut, you know. Like, I'll, I'll experiment with myself and I'll do stuff against what I recommend just because. But, yeah, definitely, if you just drop your calories by 500 right off the bat, like, your body's going to be shocked. And there might be a lag time with that, but I personally – like if you cut your calories about 100, 100 calories a week, that's pretty aggressive. Um, anything more than that is not necessary. So I would just be gradual with it. Like Crystal, I'm gonna have her, you know, cut about a thousand calories over the course of her contest prep, but she's gonna do it over five months' time. You know. Wow. 
Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That's what every knowledgeable person has told yeah. us. <laughs> Those are great tips. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's really a lot to be said for for being gradual with it. If you if you drop 500 calories all at once, your body's going to negatively respond. Like you're just taking what it knows and just throwing it out the window, and then it's going to you know that that's going to swing. The pendulum's going to swing too much, overcorrect, and you're just not going to have. You're going to burn out. You're not going to have the results you're looking for. So on this same type of theory, what are your thoughts on working in during a cut, someone trying to lose weight, uh, like a super high calorie day every, you know, maybe month, every two weeks, something like that. Do you think that has benefits for weight loss? Keto caloric refeeds. That's mm-hmm. what I call them. Um, and I'm a huge fan of them. However, I don't think they're necessary until you're definitely sub 10% body fat for, for a guy. I didn't incorporate them into my cut until I was under 6% body fat. A lot of people want to throw in a refeed because basically what it does is your leptin and ghrelin hormones kind of get out of whack when you're at a cut and you know you get hungry, you get depleted, and you basically need to kind of bring those back to, to focus and get them in check and you can do that with the, the refeed. But you're going to be hungry. You're going to like crave foods. A lot of that is going to be mental and you have to push your body to get it to change. You have to put that stimuli on, which is in this case is going to be depleting calories, decreasing calories, and your body's going to respond by decreasing body fat. It's not going to be easy though. I mean, your body, you're going to feel something different. Like you're just doing something un, un, contrary to what you're used to. So mm-hmm. it's totally normal and natural and good for you to be hungry. You don't want to be starving. And if you cut your calories by a thousand right off the bat, you're going to be starving. But if you do it gradually, your body will adjust, you know, that homeostatic level will, will adapt and, you can just continue to taper and be hungry, but you'll see the results. And then I wouldn't recommend doing the, the keto refeeds until you're towards the end of that cut and really, really depleted. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's all great advice. We're going to implement probably immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, there's so much, I mean, I don't know, I'm getting a lot of competitors right now as clients, and they're all asking about refeeds because a lot of competitors that are doing carbs, they'll have like a carb refeed the day before a competition to kind of fill out the muscle sores. Um, but with, with keto, you basically implement that refeed the night before as well, but it's all coming from proteins and fats and increase in sodium. And that's what fills you out. But, uh, yeah, very different than standard bodybuilding protocol. So could you coach someone who was doing like the standard carb, high carb diet? I I wouldn't want to. Um, I mean, I've done it before I've, I've coached before, but I mean, I'm putting all my, all my belief and all my energy into keto because that's, that's what I advocate that's what i want that's what i do and uh, that's what i want to promote to make the rest of the world healthier <laughs> you know yeah so sure enough i can keep talking to you all day long but it's an hour and 25 <laughs> minutes in now do y'all have anything else you want to talk about uh i think i covered pretty much everything you got anything no nothing in particular i'm i guess you know we'll continue to stay in touch i'm always interested in like your uh, relationship with crystal because it's like one that i can actually relate to a lot of people don't do what you do do what we do so we'll definitely keep talking about that i like how you just grouped us in with the professional bodybuilder yeah we're all we're all kind of doing the same, same thing <laughs> i know we, we are i mean honestly like y'all y'all are younger crystal and i are younger how, how old are y'all 28 27 27 28 we're both 25 i turned 26 this month so oh, like we're wow. all right around that same age, and, and we're all doing pretty much the same thing. Like we're trying to build our brand, trying to do it right. with keto, trying to appeal to that audience, that community, add value. I mean, I think what you're doing, what I'm doing, it all resonates. And you know, Crystal's doing the yeah. same thing. Like we have we have a lot of uh, mutually beneficial things going on. So the more we keep in touch and, and kind of grow from each other, the better. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. 
So right. I will definitely, like, I'll put it on air now. It's going to happen because it's, it's live. <laughs> is, uh, Crystal and I will come to Georgia. We'll spend a week there, and we'll train together. We'll cook together. We'll document the whole thing. I'm basically yes. just barging in on y'all's party, but uh, <laughs> oh, that's perfect. We'll, we'll you can take happen. care of Julius too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might just bring Julius back with me. How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, y'all. Pleasure as always, and uh, I'm looking forward to our meetup. We'll talk soon. Thank See you. And, and I guess for anybody that does not know, where can they find information about y'all? Oh. You can basically just Google Keto Connect. We'll come up. Uh, YouTube Keto Connect. Our website is ketoconnect.net. That's where all our recipes are at. And we have a podcast now. Keto Savage has been on it. We have a lot of good guests. Um, Keto for Normies. You can just search that in Google also. Why did y'all not make Keto Connect podcast? Why did y'all go with Keto for Normies? Out of curiosity. Uh, That's a good question. I don't know. We were just trying to come up with something yeah more catchy and matt one night was like keto like he you know he always just comes up with dumb names and we just make them stick like keto connect was his idea yeah i hated it but did now, you hate it i thought you loved it no i was like it should be like keto couple love or like something stupid <laughs> oh, yeah you did have that yeah so matt just comes up with dumb names and then they kind of really just work hey, you know you want to make it fun i like it i like it that's 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 the cool thing about it all you just make it work as you go yeah, yeah. all right well keto for normies, Keto Connect, Keto Couple Love. I'll catch you on next time. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thank you. Take care.